Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. My name is Scott Simpson. I'm filling in on Inside Sources for Boyd Matheson, who's out of town. Uh, We've had a lot of discussion today about politics, uh, and, and I think often people don't make the connection between what they learned in eighth grade civics, uh, fifth grade civics, and in junior year civics in high school, and how, how that hits the road here. And, you know, there's been a little bit of press around that in Utah. Uh, we did not do so well. Uh, the UVU has conducted a study. Uh, their Center for Constitutional Studies there at the Utah Valley University conducted a study, and they determined, uh, based on some survey of 942 Utah adults last fall, that we don't know what we're talking about <laughs> as it relates to civics, that we're not that different than the population. And I don't think this is unique to us, but I'm not sure it's something that we should be very proud of. And I think that it's interesting. So UVU gave us a D. Uh, yeah, that that's the D. Yeah, it's after C and really before F. I don't know whatever happened to E. Uh, we're going to have to maybe have a show on that. Boyd can get to the bottom of that next week. But uh, it is not a passing grade. Uh, I, I have some expertise, uh, some experience with the letter grade D. I won't go into that either. I've had a fair amount of counseling to help me get through that. But we sh- we should talk about and, and continue to talk about this understanding of civics. Everything that we do in this country boils down to f- civics. We, and, and the thing that's fascinating about this is we, we're not very good at at civics, and yet the new pastime in this country is politics. We have a 24-7 news cycle that spends, we've got multiple networks that do nothing but talk about partisan politics in this country, uh, the, which is the application of civics. It's the, it's the day-to-day use of, of civics and the interaction between you know, the people and its government, and yet we don't know enough about it to give a passing grade. And um, again, I'm, this is a little bit of a rant, but I think... Uh, it's important for us. And I, I try to wrap my mind around that. I, you know, I know I was distracted when I was a junior in high school. I know that my U.S. history teachers would probably not count me as a model student, but I did. You know, I took a trip to Washington, D.C. when I was in high school, and I, it changed my life. It changed my directory, my trajectory. Uh, it, 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 it is the reason I have the job that I have every day, and that I've spent my career um, trying to understand and it, and influence and have affect the outcome of public policy. We've spent this whole, the last two hours talking about foreign policy. We've been talking about domestic social policy issues. We've 
We've been talking about, you know, garden variety, sort of bare knuckle uh, legislative politics back in Washington, D.C. We've we've talked about, uh, you know, the modeling of foreign leadership and and how other governments and other countries um, utilize democracy and all of those things um, uh, affect us. It, it is our day to day lives are tied up. In civics, and so I don't. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time in civics 101, but I think everybody should go through that. And if you don't do anything else, do you know there are there are. We know this, and I don't want to turn this into a show about immigration. That there are millions of people on this planet who want to live here, who wish they lived under this government, had the had the opportunities and freedoms as tough and as as challenging as it is right now. There are so many people. That want that, and there are you know scores, hundreds, thousands that come every year that go through this. What is an agonizing process to naturalize, to become a citizen, and in that process, they are called on to take a test on very basic civic matters, and they're not allowed. They don't gain citizenship if they can't prove some kind of proficiency, some kind of understanding of the fundamentals of the. This government, this process, this way of life, the governance of our society. And uh, gosh, um, you know, we can break it down into lots of things that are surprising. It's amazing to me the num- the, how few people can actually name the three branches of government. That's like the first question. That's the first question anybody ever asks. If, if, if you know, they're doing it on the street, sort of trying to pick apart our citizenry, it's, it's uh, name the three branches of government. Well, we're not good at that. We, we haven't figured that out as a population. That's staggering to me. We, we spend more screen time watching those three branches of government interact every day, and we can't name them? I just don't understand. I, it, it feels like we maybe need to dial back the hyperbole. We need to dial back um, the, the blather and spend a little bit of time remediating and understanding the basics of how this stuff works. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, uh, what's the uh, schoolhouse rock? Maybe that's the problem is we don't have that. Uh, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. Like, uh, uh, and I, you know, Saturday Night Live actually did a skit a couple of years ago called I, I'm an Executive Order, and I pretty much just happened. That was the end of the song. Uh, I, I loved that. It actually has the small virtue of being true. Uh, uh, but But it's those... You know that they were making fun of immigration policy during the Obama administration at the time, but 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 illustrating this very fair point that executive orders is you know this contest between the executive branch and the leg- legislative branch, everything that is going on today uh, that we we talked about this January sixth commission you got the legislative branch of government trying to hold an executive branch member accountable, and it, we can get all you know sort of knotted up in. Uh, what happens in the day-to-day use of and, and politics of this specific event. But that friction, that natural friction that, be, that exists between those three branches of government, it's like an art form. It is, it's, it, it, it is worthy of study and appreciation and understanding. Gosh, what else? What else can I rant about on this, uh, this uh, study? The First Amendment. Now, you know, obviously, KSL here is a member of the media. They take their their fourth estate uh, responsibilities to, to report on the news very seriously. But 
you know, what is speech? Everybody thinks they understand the First Amendment, but they don't understand that it applies to religion and it applies to the right to gather. They don't understand. I mean, very low numbers on all of that. Um, 37% identified religion. Only 18% identify freedom of the press as political speech. And that's just one of the things that just astounds me. Uh, The right to assemble. Uh, Political speech is the speech that the founders intended to protect. And, uh, man, uh, I hope we can get our act together. Uh, One thing that I thought was interesting on this study is John Roberts, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Only 20% of respondents knew who John Roberts was. And I think some people would consider that a tragedy. Personally, I think John Roberts would consider that an honor. I think Supreme Court justices, they like to remain sort of cave-like and and not understood in this faceless entity. I think they've been tortured, actually, the last couple of months that uh, one of their members has, has obviously they all go through confirmation and those are brutal and and there's you know they get bludgeoned on their way in but they all very quickly sort of retreat into that nameless faceless entity and are very careful and it's it's I know it's been torture for them to uh, to have so much profile of one of their members around a political issue so maybe I'll get I'll cut us some slack on uh, I'll I'll cut us some slack on the the su- Supreme Court because. They like it that way. But there are no more excuses. Um, There are too many things riding on this. We as a citizenry need to get better at this. I talked about, you know, there are things that we care about, foreign policy, uh, the economics, our day-to-day lives, the the laws that we we care about, the social policy that we care about, all come as a result of our understanding of economics. It's been a joy to be with you. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week with Boyd, and uh, thank you very much. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.